Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you very much for joining me once again for this week's conversation, where it's almost a bit of a continuation of the discussion we had last week with Peter Timmons around open government. But today we speak to the architect of Australia's response to the Open Government Partnership and the commitments that have been made by Australia, and more particularly looking at the engagement frameworks that the Australian government is going to uh, propose and is going to work with, which is really all about looking at increasing public participation to enhance better policy creation and delivery and, quote, making more information Uh, available to the public in ways that enable people to both understand what their governments do and to influence those decisions. So a man after my own heart is Damien Carmichael. He joins me in the studio. Damien, thanks very much for joining me on GovComs. Thank you, David, for the chance to come and have a chat. Okay, so let's just dial it back a bit and take me through the conversation that led you to start down the response, you know, working on this response and Australia's commitment to, I think it's 5.2 of the National Action Plan in in uh, in, in Australia's response. Yeah, so the, the, the piece of work that we've been working on is a response to Commitment 5.2, which is to design and implement an APS-wide framework to enhance engagement and participation by citizens in policy development and service delivery. Uh, that commitment kind of has its genesis through uh, the development of the whole National Action Plan and it's clearly by the way in which the commitment's been designed, uh, there's clearly civil society has had a, an input into it uh, because it, it, the commitment looks very much like a design process. Uh, and the public servants, we've had a hand in it because it's a framework. And as we know, as good public servants, there's no problem that can't be solved by either a framework <laughs> or a strategic plan. Um, so that's where it sort of starts out of that that collaborative piece of work yep. on the National Action Plan. Okay. So take me through that piece then. So w- when you got started, what basis or what? where did you start? Yeah. So the first question we asked is, what's the problem that this framework's going to solve? And so we, we did what most people do when they don't know what they're doing. So we, we Googled uh, and, <laughs> and having Googled, we went out and spoke to people. So we found people who were uh, experts in this, in this space, practitioners, academics, uh, and we read everything that we could we could find to try and work out what's what's the problem. And where we landed was really three three points. The first that, that the issues that are facing uh, government are increasingly complex. There's nothing that's getting easier about climate or ageing uh, or resources, etc. So public policy is becoming more complex. And this is occurring at a time when trust in government's in decline. Um, by one measure, we found trust in government's its lowest since 1969. And we sort of asked what happened in 1969. We started measuring trust in government. So uh, when, when we looked around at the literature with these two, these two problems, we could see that, that you can come to terms with the problems a little bit better if you invite more people into the conversation. So if you bring more people into the conversation, you can reduce some of the complexity and people have a greater level of confidence in decisions that come from processes where either they've been involved or they can see somebody who's like them has been involved. So we thought, well, if that's part of the solution to this problem, where has it been done well? 
and we could see that, that Australia is not too bad at this, um, but the good examples are really at the local government level and the state government level. And uh, there are examples at the Commonwealth, but it's not a general practice for us. So the question really was, well, why, why aren't we using these uh, methods and, and approaches to help us resolve complex problems and grow trust? And so to answer that, we went out and listened to people. Okay. So just going back to that, and certainly the, the benefits of involving people, quite clear, um, but at the same time, risk increases if you bring more people into the discussion. Yeah, and that was a real, a real issue that we saw through the research that we did. So we went out and listened to public servants and people who engage with government. Uh, you could see from for us public servants, there, there is a risk in inviting more people into the conversation. We probably express that by saying there is uh, a process risk, but there's also an outcome risk. Mm. So we, we have an emphasis on the process risk. If we bring the people in, we can't control um, the input. Uh, we can't necessarily control the conversation. But the risk that we're probably underplaying in certain circumstances is by not inviting people in and reducing that risk, we run a bigger risk to the actual outcome, that we right. actually design and implement something that people don't get behind or don't utilise. Yeah. And, and that, that's, Go on. And that's particularly the case, I think, in really complex issues. Mm. So, but what about the, the, that management of expectations of people coming into the process? How does your framework look at that when you're trying to engage people and say, okay, well, you can get involved, but at some point we're going to be making the decision, not you? Yeah, so the, the way the, the framework uh, we've designed at this point has uh, two key elements at, at present. One is a set of principles under which we, we will say we'll operate. And then there's um, an explanation of the kinds of ways in which we engage the community. One of the key things, uh, two points uh, to, your, to your question, one is we need to be really, really clear on how people can influence and yep. where they can influence. So when we were listening to people who engage with government, that was a big issue for them. Um, they needed to understand where they could make a difference in that process. For a lot of people, they give input and that goes into a black box and then uh, a solution comes out on budget night and they don't see where, where they've had some influence. So it needs to be really, really clear up front um, around how you can influence and what's the level of influence that you can have. Uh, and that comes back to for us as public servants when we start to design these engagements as being really clear on what's the kind of issue that we're dealing with, what's the type of expertise that we need to help us solve that problem and use the right way to engage uh, to access that expertise. And that's kind of the heart of what the, the framework's trying to assist us with. Okay. So so is there a categorisation of issues and, and a way of being able to to assign different um, issues into different boxes? So we've we've looked at um, from from two ends, one from the, the problem end and one from the way to engage. So we looked at things like the International Association for Public Participation's yep. spectrum and we looked at a range of other frameworks. We used the Ontario provincial government's um, engagement framework as a lens to look at the work as we were progressing the framework. And what we've landed on is the descriptor that they've used for the ways in which you engage and, and we've started to build upon that. So what does that look like? We, we see that there are four key ways in which we as, as public servants engage citizens. One is to share information. So something's happened and we're telling you about it. The second is to consult. So we've 
got an issue or a problem, we've come up with a solution and we ask you what you think about that. And sometimes that might be a, a complete solution or a part solution, but we're, it's a really a one-way interaction. Uh, the third is to deliberate. So we, we have a problem and we're inviting people in to kind of help us understand what the nature of that problem is, design solutions to that problem, and then government will go and implement the solution. And the fourth is to collaborate. And collaboration is we may not even know what the problem is, we just have an issue. And we're inviting people into conversation to investigate the issue, identify problems, develop solutions, and then government will deliver an element of the solution and civil society or citizens or other um, organisations will deliver part of it. So that, that's the way in which we've conceptualised the kind of span of engagement yep. in, in the framework. We've also been really clear that what you need to do is select the right way to engage for the nature of the problem that you have. And we don't see that there's any that, that collaborating is any better than informing. Um, there's no point in inviting people into a collaborative process when you have nothing to collaborate. And, and we heard that really loudly from the people that we listened to um, through the development of the research. They, they had a level of fatigue around being involved in processes that held little meaning. Yeah. Um, one of the great lines was, I, I don't want to be involved in a co-design process where there is no co. <laughs> yeah. How, where, where do you see the barriers to, to the uh, system that you've designed or the framework that you've, you've designed? Are they essentially cultural or are they capability-based? So the, there's both. And I think we, we, look at the, we can look at barriers in a number of ways. So what we saw from the research is <clears throat> there's a little bit around um, appreciating, understanding that there is value in expertise that sits outside of government. And when we use the word expertise, we use it in a really broad sense. So you have expertise because you're a scientist or you have expertise because you've worked at something for 15 years. You are also the expert in your life. So if we were designing things for helping people in their day-to-day -day lives, they're yeah. the experts in those. So um, there is a, a there was a sense of a reluctance around the value in that expertise. So we weren't engaging people in a way that would tap that um, the most effectively. So hence that becomes a, a kind of a cultural barrier uh, to in the engagement of more people into your process. Uh, we saw that there is a little bit of a capability, uh, but what we found in the research is that the public servants have a really strong base of capability around dealing with people and their interpersonal skills are really good. They may not have the technical capability in, in a great degree at the moment around engaging in, in more collaborative processes like running a citizen's jury. They may not have that technical expertise, but we found that they definitely have the skills and abilities to operate within that structure really effectively. Um, and it was about uh, enhancing that capability. There are also some elements that we wouldn't call barriers, but they're more like realities. So what we heard from people a lot was what we've termed the sort of authorising environment. So there is a cabinet process yep. and it's right and it's proper. There's a commercial and confidence process. There's privacy considerations. They're all right and proper processes. And at no point would we be suggesting that you should set any of that aside in order to, uh, to support or foster greater engagement. That's the reality of the system that we work in for good reason. Um, what we needed to be careful of is that's not being used as an excuse not to engage, it's the reason why you can't engage. Right. And for us to start to flip our thinking a little bit around how do we work within that system to access that expertise that we need. Because that's at the heart of it. It's about how do we deliver better outcomes um, for citizens through the work that we do. So where do you see the 
you know, implementation piece is going to start. So if you feel like you've you've got a, a reasonable starting point now, what does the journey look like, do you see from here, from lots of research, lots of consultation, we think we've got it right, to actually a tool that people are using on a regular basis to create richer and better inputs to, to policymaking? David, I think that's a really good way of expressing it. It's, we're commencing a journey here uh, and, and we're in the, the beginning phases of that journey. What we wanted to do in the first instance with the framework is to give people um, a common language uh, so that we, we know what we're... When we say consultation or collaboration, we know what we're talking about. And we found that language is used interchangeably. interchangeably yeah. yeah. So we want to get an understanding and, and a shared language and understanding around the ways in which we engage of on what sorts of circumstances, if you want to deliver a particular kind of outcome, what kind of way of engaging is going to increase the probability that you'll get that outcome by giving that set of guidance. Uh, we will release the, the framework in its first instance as a kind of a beta framework so yep. that it's not a complete finished product and we'll start to build out elements of the framework as we go so that we can learn from people as they're engaging. What we need to do is to utilise the fact that there is a framework to support and uh, and foster the people that are already doing this across the public service really well. So this wasn't a situation where it was uh, barren ground, that there wasn't um, really good pieces of work being no. done, and there are. We want to continue to help to foster people to do that. We're, we're hoping that we've designed the framework in a way that helps people to start to think about things a little bit differently. So we start to think about things differently, then we start to act differently. Yeah. Uh, and so we can, we can support that uh, by providing the guidance material and ways of thinking about things differently. We'll then start to build that out into some of the tools that you could use. Yeah. There's a really interesting piece um, that we've incorporated into the framework, uh, which is two pieces of software that have been developed by um, two companies that have come out of the Business Research Innovation Initiative. Yeah. So that was an initiative by government for under the National Innovation and Science Agenda. And it was a different way of procuring a solution for government. So rather than going out and saying, we have all these requirements, can someone build something for us? We said, well, we've got these challenges that we don't have a solution for and we sent it to the world to come up with ideas for those, to, to answer those challenges. And one of those challenges was how do you engage citizens at scale using digital technology? And so there was a large number of people who responded to that. There was about five people who were given seed funding to do feasibility of their idea. And that five has now been reduced to two. And the two companies were given further funding to do proof of concept. And one, one of those uh, solutions is currently being prototyped and is the engagement platform for the APS review, uh, which is a really, really exciting and, and, and interesting approach that's been taken by the review. Uh, and the others... Uh, so the it's other, in use. It's, it's been it's used. The, the prototype's the actually up and, and they're yeah, right. using it now. So when you go on to provide your comment to the APS review, you're um, engaging with the platform that's been designed out of this process. Now, the bit, the front of it may not look all that that sexy. Yeah. Uh, the back end is. So right. what, what they've designed is a way of utilising AI and machine learning to be able to quickly synthesise the information. So one, be able to take information in multiple channels and then to be able to synthesise that really, really quickly. Right. So what we see from the, the framework's perspective is that piece of work 
is going to make it easier for public servants to engage in more meaningful ways because you're taking away a, a lot of the grunt work that needs to be done right. that could potentially be, back to your earlier point, a barrier yeah. to, to more open engagement because there's just too much resource required. This will take away some of that effort. Yeah. The, the second, the second um, finalist, they've... They've worked at the front end of trying to help people to design better engagements. So their tool will step you through a process of understanding the nature of the issue that you have and here is a selection of different ways of engaging or different approaches that you can take uh, that will help you solve okay. that problem. So it's that scoping piece at the front that helps you to put the different issues into the different boxes. And puts and creates for you a engagement plan. Okay, right. Yeah. And then the other tool is the one that you use to actually potentially, the yeah. So the, the two separate um, commercial yeah. solutions. Uh, and the interesting thing around the Brie was that the intellectual property right sits with the company, not with the Commonwealth. Yeah, um, which is a bit different to the way we normally yeah. engage. Yeah. Will they be open source tools ultimately, or are they then proprietary and owned by the companies? So that's up to the companies. So right. one of the the companies, Collab Forge, they work in open source. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. So, listen, this is all great, but it needs leadership. At the end of the day, um, it won't go anywhere unless the, you know, political leadership is there to say, look, we want this. We, you know, we're genuine. You know, there's lots of lip service around we want to hear from people and, you know, we want stories to be understood, etc. What's your, you know, within the what you can and can't say, what, what, do you see that there is enough leadership or relevant leadership um, driving this forward that's going to mean that there will be an uptake? I, I definitely do. I, my, my sense of <laughs> it, I, I've been knocking around the public service for longer than I'd like to admit to. Mm. Um, my sense of this is that there, there is a sh- it's a shifting moment that um, very senior people in the bureaucracy at least, so we've got Martin Parkinson who's come out and talked about the importance of this. Um, we can see in the terms of reference for the APS review that collaboration um, is a key element of the terms of reference. Uh, we can see that the shift over the last couple of years with the approach taken by the Digital Transformation Agency, uh, you know, the Australian Tax Office has been working in uh, sort of the design space for 20 plus years, yeah. human services are well um, versed in this and you're starting to see a user's a human-centred approach right. being taken more broadly across the public service. Mm. So that's following from clear leadership in in the need to become more innovative and the understanding that we need to under uh, we need to engage with citizens if we're going to design uh, services and solutions that are going to benefit them. Now we've been down this road before, but my sense at the moment is is there is uh, sufficient. Almost a tipping point where yeah. there is enough momentum about this that it will carry its own weight as we go forward. Is that from the context driven by technology? The fact that there there is so much change, the pace is so that so fast. Um, technologies like artificial intelligence are having a material impact on the way business is conducted and government business is conducted as well. Do you feel that that it's the context that's driving this for, to, to the point of no return? I think that it's context, but it's not only the the technological changes that uh, associated with it is a change of expectation. Yeah. So citizens see what they get from uh, Uber and and other disrupt disruptors, and they yeah. see the sort of services they get 
Uh, we would, might have said once from the banks, but you'd still what they get from the banks. And they're expecting government to be able to do the same. So they have yeah. a higher level of expectation. And we need to meet that expectation. That's not... Um, that's not unreasonable. So you've got the technology shifting but the expectations shifting as well and we need to meet that. Yeah. I think there's an appreciation of our – back to our fundamental point that the world is becoming more complex. Um, it's becoming a lot faster. We change at a lot more rapid pace. That the old ways in which we were used to operating may not be sufficient and then we need to rethink the ways in which we operate. And we see that – flowing through the bureaucracy in you know, a much broader uptake of agile as a, as a methodology, having to rethink, as you said, the Bree is an example of rethinking procurement. Mm. Uh, and so the, there's it's, – it's an interesting point be, uh, at the moment, I think, because we've – these things are happening in pockets across the bureaucracy and um, now we've come out and said, well, look, we actually need to have a branch and root review of is the whole operating model yeah. sufficient. So – that's a pretty big call uh, and I think that's a really big indicator that this has been taken very, very seriously and there is the leadership there for us to start to think about doing things differently. Okay. One of the, you know, the key interests obviously of this particular podcast is, is around government um, taking on the, uh, the ability to be able to create and distribute content. Um, you know, the gift of technology means that the factors of media production and distribution have been democratised. Government now has many more tools to be able to produce the video, the audio, the stills, the text and the graphics to explain the policies, the, the services, the regulations. Where, where does that sit within your thinking around the, the engagement framework? So, so I'm no content specialist, yeah. so uh, I, I would say there's – my reaction to that is twofold. Government has – access to those, but so do citizens more. Yeah, no, true. So that's yeah. the other side of that coin. I think the interesting space is is that's making it easier for us to be able to explain our message, uh, which is a fantastic thing and we're making it quicker and simpler to do that. The next step I think is in our ability to listen more clearly. So I, I, I love Beth Novak's line that as civil servants we need to get uh, do less talking for citizens and more talking with the citizens. So I think the, the shift around the technology in the next step is about how do we utilise that to listen more effectively? And we have that in our framework as one of the three key principles is for us to listen uh, more than talk. Hmm. So how then look at and, and going to that part of, of the framework because we – I suppose I think we got one one step into the earlier one before I interrupted you. So the second principle is around listening. Is that, that so? Correct? We've got three three principles at the moment. So that's um, to listen, to be open, and to be genuine. Right. Okay. And so they they manifest in in us wanting to make sure that we're not talking all the time and and telling you, but we're telling you what you're going to do, but listening to you through um, to, so we can better understand. But do you then prescribe ways to listen and to listen more effectively with inside the framework? So we do that more through the approaches. So you have the principle that makes you think about. I've got to live to this, so I've got to think about things. So we don't want to be prescriptive about how you do that, but we do outline the ways and approaches that you can take uh, matched to the problem that you have. Yeah. And that's what we come back to yeah, sounds, all the time. It sounds it, like that's key. Yeah, it's about – and it is. It, in its nutshell, what we're trying to do is to help public servants to understand and appreciate the value in expertise that sits outside – uh, to be able to select the right way 
to engage that expertise and to do so in a way that has care and consideration for the person that comes after you. So what, what we found in the research is that uh, because we use traditional consultation quite a lot, which is here's a solution or partial solution, a lot of the relationships that we build with, with stakeholders and citizens are transactional. Yeah. It's not a, an ongoing dialogue. It's a transactional relationship, which what that's doing is for particularly for our stakeholders, it's, it's making them become spectators in the process, not active participants. Would you lay claim or would do you believe that this is world's best practice that you've been able to deliver because you've been able to draw on, you know, examples from around the world? I wouldn't go there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, for others to say, that's it true. Is, what but I, certainly this has been a... You know, well resourced, well, you know, thoughtful, careful assembly of an approach that's going to work. So, what what we would argue is that we think it's fit for purpose, and okay. we think that it's responding to the need that's been identified by public servants and those that engage with the public service. So, it is everything that we've designed within the framework is anchored in the research and into what we heard when we were listening to people. So, we think it's an appropriate. Uh, framework for the Australian public service, yes. and that it will serve the Australian public service well. Now, if that's if that's world's best practice, then we're more than happy for that to be the case. But we were probably wanting to take a much more practical approach to this: of how do we help uh, develop better solutions that deliver better outcomes for citizens. So where where to from here? How, wh- what's the next steps? So the next steps for us is we've, we will release uh, for people to comment on. So we've gone through a, a prototype which was released and we've taken the feedback from that and made adjustments to the framework. It'll now go out into an alpha version for comment before we start to nail down the front end of it. We'll continue to develop elements of the framework over time. So we're in the first instance looking at the creation of a digital hub that can hold a lot of the content that uh, of the framework, uh, but we're also wanting to build that out with the digital tools and uh, what we're really interested in over the next little while is that how, how can we use potentially the hub to help not just public servants engage because a lot of the way by necessity is that we can help citizens engage uh, in the business of government by the public service getting better at engaging. That's the mechanism. What we're interested in in exploring over the next probably 18 months or so is could we develop a hub that makes it easier or builds the capability of citizens to engage of their own right, if that makes sense. So we've, at the moment, the the second national action plan under the Open Government Partnership is being developed and that's a component as put forward as a potential commitment of how we might design this hub in a way that not only supports public servants but supports, in a primary sense, not a secondary sense, mm. citizens. Mm. So if you were to sort of look into, you know, the, the future and say, look, maybe five years down, down the track, what... Describe what it looks like. Describe what a successful implementation looks like of of the um, engagement framework. So, in the first instance, we we would see more meaningful engagement occurring. So we would see more deliberative processes being applied uh, than we currently do, and more collaborative processes. We won't see people running out and doing citizens' juries every two minutes, no. uh, because that's. They're, they're a solution to a particular kind of problem. But we may see more of 
those kinds of activities than we're currently seeing. So we've seen a, a, that you know, good work done in that space in South Australia and here in the ACT yeah. most recently. Yeah. So I think what we would see is people thinking about different ways of engaging in the first instance and then we'll start to see uh, building on the collaborative processes that are in place at the moment, we'll start to see a bit more of that. Uh, it's not going to become uh, different overnight but I think we would hope that in the next two to three years if we were to sit back and do the stock take that we did at the beginning of this process that we would see a lot more engagements matched to the nature of the problem than what we're currently seeing. And one of the pieces of work that we're wanting to to kick off is how do we design a way of uh, assessing how we're engaging. So it's a it's a very complicated or complex problem. You can you can do a simple measure of here's the number of engagements that occurred of what kinds, but how do you get an understanding of how well they're matched to the problem? So one of the pieces of work that we've kind of got in the under construction part of the framework is to develop an engagement barometer for the public service so we've got a sense of feedback about how well are we doing that. Mm. And we would think that in three to five years' time that barometer would tell us that we're matching the problem to the engagement solution more effectively and we think from the research we've seen that would that will mean we will see more meaningful engagement. Mm. But it, it's sort of like a it, it'll never be done, will it, the development of the framework. You'll continue as behaviours change in people, as technology changes in you'll you know you'll continue to have to review and change and and respond to that environment i i think so so in some respects it's uh the framework talks about being open and listening yeah. uh, and being genuine. Well, we need to do that in respect of the framework. Yeah. And so we need to be open to the feedback that we get around it and iterate it as we go. So I, I don't I, – I, I desperately hope it doesn't become a piece of paper that gets put on a shelf somewhere and collects dust, that it actually has a momentum and it's something that gets weaved into the way we think and the way in which we act. Yeah. Um, and I, I hesitate using the word but it becomes more of an uh, organic living yeah thing rather than than a nice piece of paper. Great. Well, congratulations. You know, it's obviously a substantial piece of work, not only from you, but from many other people. Um, how, how big was the consultation, by the way? How many people did you get out to speak to? So, so we've we've uh, engaged in different ways, around about a thousand people. Okay, right. Oh, that's, that's so, and we've done that. Solid. Yeah. So we've done that through. Um, a range of ways. So we've had workshops and we've had briefings and we've had it online. But uh, when we sat back and had a look at it, there's about a thousand or so people, public yeah. servants and non-public servants that have taken part in this process in one way or another. So where could people access the, the framework to, to comment, to, you know, to look at it? To So the, the simplest at the moment is to go to industry.gov.au. Industry? Industry.gov.au. Yeah. And click on the innovation tab. Yeah, and then you'll see OGP framework, and if you click on there, all of our all of our work that we've done is there. So, the whole discovery phase, which was uh, what we found when we were listening to people, the stock take, uh, the concepts that we built, uh, the prototype is, and the feedback that we received on the prototype is all up there. For and there's a, a an email address that you can provide comment, and we're we're really open to feedback of any shape or form and more than happy to talk to anybody um, who <laughs> wants to have a conversation about this. Yeah, great. Yeah. All right, well, congratulations. So I think Thank it's you. a great piece of work. I think fundamentally if it can achieve what it's hoping to to achieve, which is this a sense of a greater 
um, participation, a greater um, engagement between citizen and government to strengthen community and Im- to improve the well-being of citizens, well, it's got to be a, a great step forward. So congratulations to you and to the team. And to you, the ladies and gentlemen who listen each week to GovComs, thanks very much for joining us again this week. Fascinating piece of work. So just industry.gov.au slash OGP and there is an enormous amount of resourcing there, not just the, the final framework, but as, as Damien outlined, lots of the thinking and lots of the discussion that took place as well. So dive in and have a look. Uh, you are encouraged to do so. And importantly, you're also encouraged to make comments as well. So thanks again for joining me this week. Great conversation with Damien. And I look forward to speaking to you at the same time next week. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.